Let's see here. I always lose the notes and I have to find them again. There they are. I found them. Now I have something to say, amen? So we're going to try something. We're going to have everybody move over here. No, I'm just kidding. I already did that. Everybody doing well? How was your day? Good. Anybody tired? You still came to church anyway, though. Give yourself a pat on the back. Good job. Got some brownie points with Jesus tonight. I've, uh, I've had this thought for a little while now, and I'm not going to say that it's uh, totally developed, but um, I, really, I really like the kind of culture and tone that we've been able to set in our midweek services by keeping it a little bit more conversational, hopefully. And uh, I like to be able to get a general direction in regards to what I feel the Lord wants to remind us of and draw attention to. But I'm interested to see how these next couple weeks play out with the subject that God's put on my heart because it's always been an interesting one to me. And um, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just as excited as some of you are to see what, what actually gets said. So it's going to be fun to see what, uh, what develops here. But we're starting a series tonight that will go through probably... Uh, maybe even up, up into January. I don't know for sure yet. It de- depends um, how things roll and, and, and uh, what kind of momentum and traction we can get. But if you have your Bible, your phone, whatever you use, or I'm going to put this up on the screen, but um, I'm going to be reading something to you to set the tone for what I mean when I say little foxes. Anybody intrigued of what I mean by little foxes? Some of you probably can already guess what I'm talking about and where it's going to come from. And uh, if that's you, you get more brownie points for, from Jesus. So that's good. That's great. Uh, and uh, all brownie points are redeemable at Elon Coffee, by the way. So if you, keep a, if you keep a card of your Jesus brownie points, you can cash that in for a free drink of choice. No, I'm just kidding. So, uh, but this little foxes, there's this, there's this kind of, I would say it's an obscure passage. Uh, and what I mean by that is I haven't seen this one on anybody's refrigerator. I haven't read, uh, I haven't read it in a devotional book before. And it's kind of in a book of the, of the Bible that makes people uncomfortable. And, uh, and, and I get why. And if you've ever really read the Bible before, there should be multiple places in the Bible that make you a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, anybody ever read the Bible and been uncomfortable before? Anybody read the Bible and had no idea what it was trying to say? It's like, I don't not really sure what this is meaning and and I'm so thankful for uh, the Holy Spirit in our lives that brings us revelation and and teaches us how to interpret the scripture and we need to be in this healthy place of reading the scripture uh, by means of the spirit we don't need to read the the scripture apart from God's spirit it's God's spirit that brings life uh, to what we're reading and helps us begin to understand and know uh, I'm not the great teacher Pastor Dwayne's not the great teacher. No minister that you listen to has the title of the great teacher. The great teacher is a title alone reserved for the Holy Spirit. And we need to learn how to build relationship with the Holy Spirit and have him begin to instruct our hearts. And I'm going to get into some of that in tonight's talk. But there's this obscure passage that comes from uh, the Song of Solomon. Some translations of the Bible say Song of Songs. And it's in chapter 2. And here's what you need to know about this book is that this book of the Bible is a song. Because it's, it's Song of Solomon, Song of Songs. It's, it's a song. It's, it's, it's kind of like the Psalms. Did you know that the Psalms, a lot of the Psalms are songs? And a lot of the Psalms are prayers. A lot of the Psalms are poems. It's, it's poetry. It, it, it's, it's a particular type of poetry. And I won't get into all the all the uh, details on that, but the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs is this song, it's this poem, and the way that it's written is, it's written in such a way that it's actually kind of a conversation or an exchange between two people that are in love. And how many of you are thankful that the Word of God is timeless and still applicable today, and God wrote this love story in the Song of Songs, and it was between a man and a woman, can I get an amen? That's, that's just easy to know and understand if you read it. There's a man and there's a woman in this love story, this love poem, this love song that 
is in the Bible. And it's this exchange. There's some stanzas of the song or of the poem that it's the woman speaking and she's saying things to the man that she's in love with and then in some stanzas of the poem or of the song, the man is speaking to the woman. And what's really cool about this is that this book is actually built in such a way, it's crafted in such a way that it takes us through God's plan for, uh, for, for romance in our lives. And God's plan for a husband and wife relationship. There's actually everything from the initial attraction all the way up until the marriage, all the way into the honeymoon, and all the way into this sustained longing or sustained passion that a healthy marriage is supposed to have. Can I get an amen? And it's a beautiful book. It's a beautiful thing. And, and I believe that there are certain parts of the Bible that you need to have parental guidance in. And I believe that Song of Songs or Song of Solomon is one of those books. In fact, in Jewish tradition, you weren't, as, as young, young men, you weren't even allowed to read that book until you had officially become what the culture considered a man, which is about 13 years old, all right? So there was this even ceiling. It was this protected thing. So I'm not going to get really deep into it. It is a little awkward to read certain passages in public. So I encourage you if you're, uh, uh, you know, of the, uh, I'd say, you know, I'm not going to say it's, it's probably PG-13, you know, so... Let's see the 13. You can read that in your own time. But there is this thing that I want to pull from. And it's this passage that talks about little foxes. And it's right in the middle of chapter 2. Chapter 2 starts off and it's the woman speaking to the man that she's in love with. And it's in chapter 3 that we actually hear about the marriage between the man and the woman. And the language starts to change. And we hear about bride and we hear about groom after chapter 3. So there's this budding, this blossoming romance between the man and the woman. And in chapter 2, the woman starts off saying a bunch of nice things about the guy that she's in love with. And then in verse 10 through verses 15, the man speaks. And it's kind of his response to what the woman is saying. All of these love declarations that his future bride is saying and, and speaking. And there's this thing that happens in the middle of this conversation in chapter 15. And they'll put it up on the screen. I'll read it to you. I'm going to read it in the ESV to you first. Then in a few minutes, I'll read it to you in the Passion Translation. So you can just hear it from even a different perspective. But the man tells the woman this. He says, couch the foxes for us. The little foxes that spoil the vineyards. For our vineyards are in blossom. And I remember I heard a minister one time mention something, just a phrase. And at the time, I couldn't place the phrase. I, I didn't even know what book of the Bible it was in because, like I said, this is, a, this is an obscure passage. Not a lot of people that I talk to know this particular passage or even know what it's trying to communicate. And you really have to read the book in context and you need to read the whole chapter in context to really get the point of what's being said here. But... I remember that there was a minister giving a talk in regards to character and, and our need as believers to bear fruit and the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. Everybody believes we should be bearing the fruits of the Spirit in our lives, right? Galatians 5 stuff, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those things. Those are things that need to show up in the life of believers. And it's part of the way that we testify of who Jesus is and the power of his resurrection is that there's a group of people that are actually living as a prophetic alternative to the culture. And that's one of the things that the church is called to be is a prophetic alternative to what's happening in the culture. You know, if you're lost, God loves you, but you're not bearing any fruit. When I was lost and I didn't know God, I wasn't bearing the fruit of love. My love looked more like lust. I wasn't bearing the fruit of joy. My joy looked more like happiness. You know, joy and happiness aren't even the same thing. And I know this is the case because the scripture tells me that Jesus endured the cross because of the joy set before him. How many of you know that Jesus wasn't happy and smiling whenever he was carrying the cross and when he was being nailed to the cross? But it said he had this joy set in front of him. Joy is this deeper, more mature version of happiness that God wills to instill in all of our hearts. But I didn't have any concept of God's joy 
whenever I was not living in right relationship with the Lord. And I've talked to you multiple times in multiple places about this fruit that God wants us to bear coming out of a place of intimacy and deep-seated connection with him. And that's what we're endeavoring to build as believers. We're endeavoring to build and grow in our love relationship with the Lord, much like the relationship between the man and the woman that we see in the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs. In fact, the Song of Solomon, the Song of Songs, is presenting to us a very practical thing in regards to God's concept of romance and God's will and desire for a man and a woman to be in love with each other and to be married and to produce fruit and to enjoy each other in all the ways that he's created them to be. But there's this deeper prophetic undertone within the Song of Solomon and it's a reflection of Christ and his bride, the church. And you have to see that and know that and God's word, the Holy Scriptures are multifaceted and multidimensional. So whenever we read about this call and response between the man and the woman, we can see that as a template and a model for God's desire of a a purity in our romantic relationships, a purity in our marriages, and a template and a model for what those things should be. But we also catch a glimpse into the affections of Christ's heart for his church. And we also catch a glimpse into what... By the Holy Spirit, what passion has been deposited on the inside of you for Christ that you might not even be aware of? Have you ever had things in your life that were only feelings that you didn't have language for? Have you ever talked to somebody that's just really good at putting words together? And they're able to describe for you and give you language for things that have only been feelings. I love people like that because... I'm, I'm a feeling person. I don't know about you, but I'm a feeling person. I, I feel things a lot, time before, a lot of times before I have the ability to really mentally ascend there or piece them together. And you've heard me preach enough now that you've probably figured out that I'm an external processor. All right? I do, some in, I do, I do inward reflection and inward expression, but I'm, I'm a feeling person. I get, I get senses. I get, I get unctions by the Holy Spirit, and God will drop things in my heart, and sometimes it's just a line or a phrase, and that causes a feeling or it causes this passion to arise in me, and I love being a part of a community of faith because you know that if we're all listening to the Holy Spirit, he should be saying similar things to all of us. You need to be weary and leery. Those are not brothers, by the way. Those are two adjectives. You'd be weary and leery of people that claim to have this secret knowledge that you don't have. And they try, to, they try to seduce you with this thing that only they know whenever they were caught up in this ecstasy and this trance and they'll never be able to tell you and all that kind of thing. And the Apostle Paul even warns about some of this. But do you know the part of the beauty of the bride, the church of Jesus Christ, is that we find language together for things that we don't get just on our own. God will deposit things into our heart that might be a word, might be a vision, might be a sentence, might be an emotion, a feeling that we have. And it's in the context of community now as the bride that we develop language for things. And I love being around people that can do that for me and can help me make sense of things that I'm feeling and that I'm processing. And that's one of the reasons why I love this book of the Bible is because it gives us language for things in Christ's heart for the church. And it gives us language for things that's supposed to be inside of our hearts for Christ. Things that might be there and they could be dormant on the inside of us that we need to wake up and allow the Holy Spirit to bring fresh life and fresh perspective into. And even in chapter 2, there's this phrase that comes from the one that we can say is Jesus. And if you have your... If you have your Bible, why don't you, why don't you just go there really quick? I want to I wanna read this to you. When You see what I'm talking about with language and having language for the way that God feels about the church. And a lot of people have never heard these words before. And I think it's such a beautiful thing to hear what Christ thinks about you. I love it. The, the woman has spoke up to this time and she's saying beautiful things. It's praise. It's worship, really that she's expressing for her, the one that she loves. And in verse 10, it said, My beloved, this is the bride now, the woman, 
speaking and said, my beloved speaks and says to me, arise my love, my beautiful one. Man, how many of you have really ever allowed the Lord to tell you that he thinks that you're beautiful? How many of you have ever let that happen? See, I'll pick on the guys for a second. I'm a guy. I live with five women. So I am one of the most emotionally in tune guys that you'll probably ever meet. But what I will tell you is this, is that there's something on the inside of me, even from a man's perspective, that I feel this sense of warmth. I feel this sense of acceptance from God that whenever he looks at me, I don't think of beauty in the way that you might instinctively go to if you're a woman with physical appearance. When I think about beauty, I think about the perfect sunset, Guys, are you with me? Have you ever seen a sunset and thought it was beautiful? Guys, have you ever seen anything and thought it was beautiful? Husbands, you better say yes right now. You're going to be in trouble. We're captivated by beauty. And when you see something that's beautiful, you don't just want to glance at it. You want to behold it. You want to see it. A beautiful sunrise and the perfect landscape or, you know, for the hunters in the room, that perfect deer. It's beautiful. For the anglers in the room and the fishermen, the perfect catch, the perfect day to go to a baseball game. Am I connecting with any men in the room? Do you know what I mean by beauty? A song, a scene in a movie. There's something about the. Have you ever been arrested by beauty before? I think that your life would totally change if you honestly believe that you're able to arrest Jesus. I think that your life would honestly change if you would believe that being a member of the church, being a part of his bride, that Christ sees you a particular way. And I think it's important to understand this because in this series of five verses here, when the one that we can see the prophetic picture painting toward is Jesus says, Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. For behold, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. There's cold places and parts of our lives that are the result of trauma, pain, disappointment. And God, through Christ, by means of the Holy Spirit, wants to love us back to life in those areas. The winter's past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come. The voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree ripens its figs and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. Oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. And then he says this, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyard for our vineyards are in blossom. Notice that Jesus paints this picture of telling you what he thinks about you so that you don't make the mistake of thinking that the presence of foxes has detracted from your beauty. I'll read this to you in the Passion Translation. It says this, You must catch the troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship. For they raid our, vine- our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together. I believe that we have to make a decision to understand how the Lord chooses to see us. And when we understand how he chooses to see us, what we actually get a picture of is his goodness. How many of you believe that God's gotta be good if he thinks you're beautiful? (laughs) I know me. Anybody else know you? Anybody know me? Some of you work with me. You should know me, okay? Some of you live with me. You should know me. Anybody else know that God's goodness is proven because he thinks you're beautiful? Only a really good person would think that you're beautiful all the time. 
So what happens is, is that Jesus is painting this picture between him and the bride, the one that he loves, which is you and I, and he's making professions about our beauty. He's making professions of the way that he sees us. And he's doing this in order that we might see his goodness. Because here's the thing, he wants to reveal to us first his heart. See, God is in the process and in the business of making connection with us before he wants to correct anything. That's what we've been endeavoring to discover and to learn with where Pastor Dwayne's going to take us through the next several weeks with grace and truth. The grace portion of who God is, is him speaking about your beauty, speaking about your worth, speaking about how much he loves you. And what that does is that opens you up to see that he's good and it's opening you up now to hear what's in his heart. Do you remember when you loved somebody? Hopefully you still love somebody right now. But guys in the room, do you remember the time when you really wanted to be able to express in your most feeble, ridiculous way? You knew you were going to stumble all over your words. But you just had so much in your heart that you wanted to be able to express to your spouse. You knew it was that time and that place, maybe through your dating or your engagement, that maybe you were first going to say the words, I love you. Does anybody remember that moment? Any men in the room? Okay, women, we know that you're in touch and you've got all the words and you've got things to release. We get that, okay? I'm, I'm the exception to, to the guy rule. I get it. I talk for a living. But here's the thing that you need to know and that you need to understand. There's so much going on in your heart. There's so much going on in your mind. There's so much that you want to say. There's so much that you want to express. And these things are just bubbling up and they're coming out of you. And I believe that Christ has so much in his heart and so much love and so much that he wants to express and do that he actually couldn't just let it be words he actually had to come and show us by living a particular kind of life because see for Jesus just writing a book wasn't enough for Jesus he actually had to be able to come and say I have so much in my heart for this picture this beloved this bride that I know that I'm to have and this this person that I'm in love with that I just don't want it to be words on a page I want you to see it in my life And we see the ultimate act of Christ's love for us whenever he's dying on a cross and he tells humanity, this is how much I love you. I love you this much. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And that's the grace part of who God is. How many of you think we should just go home now? That's just good news, right? Here's the thing about it is that notice that this is the way God operates. There's four verses that he tells you everything that's good about you. Four verses out of those five. Giving you a sense of worth. Giving you a sense of beauty. Here's the thing. God is investing in you connection. God wants you to trust the connection that you have with him. Because here's the thing about it. Whenever God needs to work on your heart to make a correction. uh Uh-oh. Say, Pastor, go back to how much I'm beautiful I am and how much God loves me. That feels good. Now you're going into the other part. Here's the thing. That's the grace part of who God is, but God can't change who he is. And even in the midst of all that grace and all that lovely poetry, there's still a truth. But here's the thing. If we'll understand that he's called us beautiful before he's talked to us about our foxes, because we all have them, we'll trust what he's saying and we won't be suspicious of the things he tells us that he needs us to change because we know his character. See, a lot of people are suspicious of the commands of God because they've never had his heart revealed to them. And a lot of us are suspicious of people in our lives simply because we don't know them. You ever thought a particular way about a person and then you actually had lunch with them and you heard their story and you left there feeling like a jerk because you didn't like them? Any honest Christians in the house? It's Wednesday night, I can say jerk if I want to. And my wife's not here so I don't get in trouble for saying stuff like that. So here's the thing that you need to know and that you need to understand and that I want to reveal to you is that over the next couple weeks, we're going to talk about these little foxes. And in the Passion Translation, I'm going to read to you one more time. It said, you have to catch these little foxes. So Christ has spoken his love. He's spoken his acceptance. He's spoken the beauty of who you are over you. But he has something else that he needs to say. And this is very, very in line with Christ's character because it's very similar to what you see in the first 
couple chapters of Revelation whenever John's transcribing letters on behalf of Jesus to the churches. He starts out by telling the churches things like, I see your good works. I see your patient endurance. I see that you haven't put up with people that have taught falsely. But there's this thing I have against you. There's something getting in the way of all our relationship can really be. There's something that's causing a wedge in our ability to connect with each other in a new, in a fresh way. And it's really causing a wedge in your ability to allow people to connect to the Christ in you. There's this little fox. It's consistent with Christ's character. The things that he says in the song of Songs, Song of Solomon, and the things that he says in Revelation. And I love this in the Passion Translation because it says that these little foxes, he says, I want you to catch these things for us. I want you to deal with these things for us. And then it says this, we will do it together. You know, for a long time, I had this picture that Jesus was this faceless, super bright light that maybe you could see the feet and he was sitting on this throne and anytime he needed me to change something about my life, anytime he needed to give me a command, he just pointed from the throne and he said, do this or do that or shape up there or shape up there. And I remember one day I was in prayer and I was praying and I was visualizing Jesus in the holiness of God and being in his throne room and asking, Lord, what do you, is there anything about my life that's grievous to you? Is there anything about my life that's offensive to you? Is there anything that I need to change? Is there anything I need to improve upon? God, I just want you to have your perfect work in me. And Lord, I'm seeking direction for my life. And I thought when I prayed to God and asked for direction that he would just point and say, walk it that way or take this turn and he would just point but he was always seated he was always on the throne and I was always away and there was this divide between him and I and he was just the guy that told me what to do and made sure that I did it I remember I was in the middle of prayer one day and I was having this same mental imagery that I know many of you have had that I've just described and all of a sudden I looked at the throne and Jesus wasn't on the throne anymore I'm thinking Jesus where are you at have I been praying to the wrong guy this whole time you left? Said you changed not. Where you be? Where you at? And instead of this, now hear me, understand me. I'm not detracting from the holiness of God. If you're spiritual at all, this will actually elevate his holiness in your life. Because the word holy really just means other. Jesus is a lot more other than you think he is. He's a lot more other than most of us think that he is. And I couldn't see him. And then I just felt this subtle touch on my arm. And I looked, and he was next to me. I was, having this, I was having this vision while I was praying, and he was next to me. And he had this smile on his face, like he saw something beautiful. And I saw his eyes, and his eyes are burning with this fire. And he's looking at me, and he said, I want you to go this way, and I want you to do this. And he, he took me by the arm, and he put his arm inside of my arm and he held my hand right here and he said and we're going to go there together and it came to me after the Lord had spoken to me after John uh, John 15 15 and it was this it was Jesus is telling his disciples he says no longer do I call you servants because a servant doesn't know what the master is doing takes out but I call you friends because I've made known everything to you that the Father's made known to me. And when I read that, it exploded off the page because my entire life, I had been taught how to be a soldier. And listen to me, there's places in the scripture where we see it verbatim, that we need to be soldiers in a good fight of faith. But let me tell you, there's some things that God wants you to fight for as a soldier, but there's a lot of other things that he just needs you to learn how to receive as a son or a daughter. And I had no revelation of sonship. I had no revelation of daughtership. I had no revelation of God seeing me as beautiful. But here's the reason why God sees you as beautiful is because whenever he sees you, he sees himself. Corinthians says that, Paul's letter to the church in Corinth says that he that's joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. Let me tell you something. Those of you in the house tonight that struggle with God seeing you as beautiful, God seeing you as that lover that he's speaking to in the Song of Songs, you have to understand and know that if you're a Christian, it's no longer you that lives, but he that lives on the inside of you. 
And what he's seeing in you is his beauty. What he's seeing in you is his original design. What he's seeing in you is you being made in his image. The fall and what Adam and Eve did, it marred and scarred the image of man. But Jesus Christ, this last man, the second Adam, has returned us back to God's original design, which is in his image, in his likeness. You're beautiful because he's in you, because he's one with you. But just because you're beautiful doesn't mean that he's not in the process of making you more beautiful. (laughs) Do you believe that all of us are works in progress? If you don't believe that, you need somebody to tell you the truth. You're a work in progress. There's a finished work that's been done in your spirit, but I don't know about you, but I still have some renewing in my mind to have happened and I still have things in my body that God's working out and ironing out and appetites and desires that are being quenched by the fires of his love and I get new appetites every day for the things of God and I lose appetites for the ways of the world and I love that Jesus takes the time to tell the bride that he loves to tell the woman that he loves how beautiful she is how lovely she is And in the middle of all that, he says this, out of this great love that I have for you, I love you as you are right now and I see myself on the inside of you. But to quote and drive home something that pastor said on Sunday, God loves you where you are, as you are, but he also loves you too much to let you stay there. Listen to it again. I know I've read it like three or four times, but I need you to hear it again. This is called meditating on the scripture. I'm teaching you and you keep chewing it. You must catch the troubling foxes. Notice this is at the end. He's sown connection with you. He's let you come into a place of trust. I'm safe. You're beautiful. Don't worry. I haven't forgotten. But I need to talk to you about something. There's things in your life. There's troubling foxes. Sly little foxes that hinder our relationship. And if we really want to be honest about it, these sly little foxes hinder our relationship because they tell us lies concerning our beauty. They tell us lies concerning Christ's acceptance for us. These little foxes hinder our relationship not because he doesn't see us as beautiful. The scripture just proved that there was foxes present in this person's life, but Christ still saw the beauty. These foxes, if we're not careful, they have the ability for us to get wrong ideas about the way that God sees us, but even worse, they have the ability to give us wrong ideas about how God sees the people that we're sitting next to and the people in our world. These little foxes in our lives are small things that we have made the wrong assumption that they're no big deal. These small foxes in our lives are often things so small that we don't even notice them. And a lot of times we are able to use our personality or the way that we're gifted to justify why we have this fox problem. I spent enough time telling you soft stuff. Now I'm going to spend the next seven minutes telling you some hard stuff. Are you okay? The Lord sees you as beautiful. The Lord sees you as lovely. But that doesn't mean that there aren't still things in your life that he wants to work on with you. And that doesn't mean that there's not a deeper level of connection that you're able to have with him. And these little foxes in our life, these are the things that because we don't qualify them as big sins, big problems. A lot of Christians that I talk to, they think everything's going okay in their relationship with God because they're not struggling with anything big. But I don't have that vice in my life. I don't have that addiction. I'm not a jerk like that person's a jerk or I don't have an attitude problem like they do and I always show up to work on time. I never get on Facebook on the job like these other people do and all those different kinds of things. We have this ability, check this out, to justify how beautiful we are based on our performance. When the way that real change comes in our life is whenever we can allow ourselves to hear Christ's voice, affirm our beauty, and then out of that place of trust, out of that place of connection, some true correction has been brought. Have you ever had somebody in your life that tried to connect, correct you without having any kind of connection with you at all? 
Have you ever done that to anybody? How did it go? That's why you're in church tonight, right? You're seeking healing from how bad that went. See, the thing we have to know about God is that God's never going to talk to us about an issue or a problem in our life until he's first added value to us. A lot of people think that they have the right to expose, reveal, or correct behaviors in others and make withdrawals before they've made deposits. And that's not the way that things work because it's not godly. Sometimes that mentality is a little fox. I just need to tell you the truth. And you wonder why you have no friends. <laughs> wonder why people have a problem with you. See, these little foxes that God wants to expose to us aren't because he doesn't think we're beautiful. They don't detract from our beauty. What they do is, is they detract from the level of connection we're able to have with him and the level of connection we're able to have in our relationships that matter. There's a lot of little foxes that go unchecked in marriages that lead to some big divisions. There's a lot of little foxes that go unchecked in our connection on our relationship with our kids, our coworkers, our friends. That because they're small things, we either ignore them or they're small things that are going on in our lives that we think there's no way that that could actually be a big deal. And I believe that God wants to speak to us about these little foxes Not because they detract from our beauty, but because they have the ability to detract from our depth of relationship with him and the people that matter most to us. These little foxes that spoil the vine are the unchecked things. They're the things that sometimes we don't have a reference point for because once again, they are so small. They are little. And for some of us, the little fox that's on the screen, they're just cute. That's harmless. Little foxes in our life are just the little pet things that we do, little quirky behaviors that we have that this isn't really hurting anybody. I'm just a sarcastic person. It's just my sense of humor. That's my personality. Do you know the word sarcasm literally means to cut? You ever been around a sarcastic person? You ever leave feeling edified and built up and ready to take on the world? Or do you leave there kind of thinking, I wonder if this person secretly hates me? It seemed like it was playful, but it stung, and it just is confusing. How many of you know that has the potential to detract from the level of depth and connection you can have with that person? I'm just a direct person. No, you're not. You're rude. (laughs) You're not just direct. People do this. Their personality or their gift. It doesn't mean that God doesn't see you as beautiful. It doesn't mean that... I don't know if anybody else loves you, but I still love you. (laughs) That's a joke. It doesn't mean that there's not people in your life that love you and care about you, but here's the thing. There's things, there's little things in your life that you're justifying, that you're excusing, that you're ignoring, that are hurting the connection that you're able to have with God. And more importantly, they're hurting your ability for God to use you to connect people to him. He wants it dealt with not because he can't get over it and I'm not going to love you until you change. We just saw that he loves us in spite of those things. But the things have to be talked about and they have to be dealt with if we're going to be able to now be transformed into vessels that don't put stumbling blocks before people, but we now put stepping stones before them to help them get in line with their destiny. A lot of people are not moving forward in their call or their God-given ministry, not because they're not anointed, not because they're not gifted, but because of little foxes. It's spoiling the vine. Let me tell you something. When a vine produces fruit, is the fruit for the vine or for somebody else? A vine doesn't eat its own fruit. A vine's plugged into another source of nourishment. There's things, there's gifts, there's passions, there's dreams, there's skills, there's abilities. There's potential that's hanging off your life that's spoiling and people aren't getting the opportunity to eat it because of the foxes. Because of the things that you've left unchecked. Because of the things that you think is just your sense of humor. What are some of the little foxes? Moodiness. Some of you are just moody. And there's no real excuse for it. I know people, let me tell you this. People that say that they're, and I'm just going to pick, I'm a, a, you know, fair, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm a uh, equal opportunity, okay? 
I'm an equal opportunity step on your toer, okay? <laughs> I've talked to people with certain spiritual giftings. I've heard this before. I've heard this before because to a degree, because I'm a feeler, I told you that, I would justify some of my own behavior this way. So before I pick on you, I'll pick on me. As I started developing this uh, prophetic gift that God had given me, and part of that in a discernment and just being able to read people and situations and, and sense things that are going on, you know, a lot of times there was things in my life that I would classify and I would justify my mood change and me being unstable in my emotions as, well, that's just the way that I'm wired and that's part of my gift. Prophetic people, intercessory people, a lot of time will tell you, well, I'm like this all over the place because of my gifting. And I just sense things and I can't control it. If you can't control it, I, I wonder if it's really demonic and you just don't know. I can't control it. If it just hits me, it comes on me and I don't have any way I can control it. I mean, you get you delivered. Your spouse will appreciate it. Listen, God didn't design you to be a roller coaster of emotion every single day. Either you got a chemical imbalance, a hormonal issue, or you're just having some issues going on in your life. But God is a God of order and of, and of peace, not of chaos. God doesn't will for storms externally that devastate things, and he doesn't will for internal emotional storms that devastate your relationships. Stop using your personality or your gift, or here's a step further, another toe, your upbringing to justify why you're moody. Because it's hurting relationship, and it's hurting your ability for God to use you to connect people to him. You're beautiful. He loves you. He still accepts you. But the fruit that's on your life, the good fruit that God wills for others to experience, the gift that he wills to draw out of you, nobody can taste it because nobody can get past the growling fox. Foxes look cute until you get up close because they can be threatened. They look cute as you're driving across the road and they run out in front of your car. But if you ever get up close to one and corner one, that thing will bite you. Just word of the wise, raccoons are the same way. Be careful. I remember we had these squirrels. Like, squirrels are cute, right? You guys, I know, I'm, I'm naive with some stuff. I, I don't know if you know this about me. I'm not an outdoor person, okay? I love to see the outdoors through my window. That's my perfect way to enjoy the outdoor. Climate controlled. Some of my friends are talking about going camping and that kind of thing. And I'm thinking, yeah, this will be great. We can bring our RVs. This will be awesome. We're going to be... Anyway, but here's, here's the thing that, that you need to know and you understand. It's squirrels, right? Squirrels look cute. They look harmless. You ever have a squirrel get in your attic? Did you guys know that squirrels are destructive? Did you know this? I saw these squirrels. We had our backyard is full of squirrels when we first moved in the house. Like, oh, look, it's wonderful. Look at these squirrels. Kids, look at the squirrels. Look how awesome they are, how cute they are. They're all over the place. And I figure out they're all there because they're living up in the attic. And they don't play Yahtzee up there. They tear stuff up. I was like, I bring up some banana bread and some Kool-Aid for the squirrels and we can hang out and they're chewing on wires and eating all kinds of craziness. I'm like, what? Squirrels, I thought they were cute. Listen, there's things about your life that people might laugh about at a distance, but if anybody lives up close and personal with you, you've got some things in your life that's growling and destroying relationships that you need to own up to and you need to realize and you need to stop justifying it as your personality. Are you hearing me? I'm sorry, I just don't know what else to do besides tell the truth, but I've really been working hard the past three years on getting it with enough grace. You know, it's the spoonful of sugar that makes the medicine go down, but I'll give you the sugar and I'll give you the medicine, but if you try to cough that back up, I'm going to hold your mouth shut, okay? You're going to take the medicine, and you're going to like it. In Jesus' name, praise God. Here's one, gossip. Oh, God, are you guys okay? Oh, Lord, the Holy Spirit just hit me. Gossip, oh! Listen, the same way that we excuse our moodiness, oh, Lord, that's, I'm, I gotta be done. This is just terrible. The same way that we excuse our moodiness, I'm failing at all my... The same way that we excuse our moodiness because of our personality or because of our gifting or because of our upbringing, Christians all day long got little foxes of gossip that they think aren't a big deal and we excuse that because we're just venting. I'm just venting. 
And I'm really telling you about this so that we can pray. Well, how come we never pray? <laughs> okay. God, let me tell you the difference between gossip and, and, and actually processing, not venting. Venting is another thing, and there is a place for that in a safe place and with people that you, that you trust. But let me tell you the difference between gossip and just, uh, and just uh, what's the other word I said? Not venting. What was the other thing? Processing. Some people say, I just need to process this. So I'm going to tell you all this bad stuff about this person. Okay. The difference between gossip and processing is this. You've got to ask yourself this question. Am I saying the right thing to the right person in the right way? Processing doesn't give you an excuse to dishonor anybody. Nod your head and act spiritual. Processing doesn't give you place to accuse people behind their back. That's not processing, that's gossip. Little foxes of gossip have the potential to spoil the vine. Where's some other little foxes? Really quick, I'll just read through some of the things I wrote. I, I, I didn't get into this as fast as I wanted to. It's okay. Um, sometimes, little foxes, your response to disappointment. Some of you, your response to disappointment is the same as my two-year-old's. You pout. And you throw a fit. And people have to skirt around telling you tough stuff. And a lot of times you have to find it secondhand because everybody's afraid to tell you that. Because you pout and you throw a fit. And you, and you manipulate and you manipulate the people that you love to get what you want and to do what you want because you pout and you throw a fit. And it's learned behavior from your upbringing and nobody's ever told you to grow up. Well, it's time to grow up. Mature people know how to deal with disappointment. And they know how to do it without finding a way to manipulate to get what they want. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes for husbands, the answer is no. Sometimes for wives, the answer is no. And instead of pouting and giving each other the silent treatment and pressuring each other until you finally get what you want, you should grow up and be an adult and say, I can receive a no. This must be God trying to teach me something. Little foxes. Some of our relationships and our marriages, we end up in all different kinds of debt just because we don't know how to tell each other no because we're intimidated of the fox that's right at our spouse's side all the time. Can't tell him no because that fox will bite me. We need to shoot the fox, amen? Not your spouse. Praise God. Some of you, your response to being wrong showcases a fox. Nobody likes to be wrong, but some people's response to being wrong is not, is not good. Defensive. Some of your responses to six, uh, some of your uh, responses to stress reveals a little fox. Some of us have just little pet things that we think aren't a big deal like ungodly entertainment choices or loose or crude speech. It's just a little fox. It's not really hurting anybody. And here's the thing that we got to understand is that especially in churches that have really grabbed a hold of the grace message and have really understood what it means to walk in grace with God, a lot of times if we're not careful, we'll, we'll just ignore conviction and we'll justify it as not being religious. Well, I don't want to be religious. You got convicted while you were watching that show. You got convicted in that conversation you were having with a coworker, but you excused it because I'm going to be in the world, but not of the world. You spiritualize it, don't you? I don't want to be religious. Let me tell you something. If you ignore the conviction of the Holy Spirit on your life and even the small issues, it's not you not being religious. You're actually becoming rebellious. Plain and simple. God still loves you. You're still beautiful. But that thing that you're justifying in your life is decreasing your ability to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit telling you that you're beautiful. It's desensitizing your ability to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in a situation where you might have an opportunity to show the love of God to somebody else. The question tonight is a simple one and over the next couple of weeks we're gonna talk about some of these things individually. We're gonna isolate them. We're gonna unpack what some of these foxes are and spend all night on gossip. It's gonna be an awesome service. <laughs> And we're going to do things and we're going to unpack it. 
And I'm going to have different people come and share. And it's going to be a great time. But I want to just frame and paint a picture for you of what these foxes are and God's method of dealing with them. And above all, I want us to ask ourselves the question, where in our lives currently have we become more seduced by the culture around us than responding to the love of Jesus? And in his love is where we find his grace and his truth. Him telling us that we're beautiful, but also being truthful about things that have the potential to damage your witness and have the potential to damage the relationships that you hold most dear and have the potential to desensitize your voice from hearing him and experience him the way that he wills to do. We're gonna ask the Holy Spirit. Some of us just have to have an honest conversation with the Holy Spirit. Father, show me the foxes in my life. And remember that passion translation. He doesn't just want you to catch him. He says, let's do it together. You're beautiful. Let's do it together. You're better than your worst day. Let's do it together. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for these incredible people here tonight. I thank you for their hearts. Father, I thank you that we would hear fresh and anew how much you love us. How pleased you are with us, God, and how we really are people that you love. We're your bride that you find beauty in. And Father, in that place of beauty, it's not just a beauty that you want to declare, it's a beauty that you want to protect and that you want to maximize. Father, I pray that as we take the next couple weeks to be honest with ourselves, not outside of your love, but in your love, firmly planted in your love and to see where some of these foxes might be spoiling the fruit of ministry that you will for us to have and to sow into the lives of others. And it's limiting our potential. It's limiting our connection with our spouse. It's limiting our connection with our coworkers. It's limiting our connection in, with our kids. Father, I pray that as you deal with these things with us, that we would allow ourselves to remain fully cognizant of your love and trust your hand as you partner with us to remove these foxes so that our fruit might now be tasted and people might see that you're good the way that we have and they might see their beauty through us and in us. Help us to be stepping stones, not stumbling blocks to the people that we care about most. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Did you get anything from God?